gun Ramos looking like he's got one more good run Sips a little shaky But his heart is still true Oh how that dog loves hunting with me and you Sporting dog adventures run Hey, this is Jeff Fuller of Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures TV. We have had a great run showing our love for dogs with our show, our podcast, our social media, and all that is based on Soggy Acres Retrievers. We proudly bring this podcast to you by Soggy Acres Retrievers and ask you if you are looking for training, boarding, or a yellow, black, or chocolate Labrador Retriever puppies, please check out SoggyAcres.com. Remember, everyone deserves a Soggy Dog. Welcome to the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast. I have a special guest today. That special guest is my lovely wife, Kate. Kate is here to talk about several topics. We're going to talk about discipline for your puppy, how to do it, why to do it, and the ramifications when you do not do it. We are also going to talk about dog treats and allergies that you need to watch out for with those treats. And lastly, our hunting tip is going to be called Lose That Ego. It's going to be talking about how the ego of so many is tarnishing our sport. So let's get right down to brass tacks, Catherine. How are you today? I'm good. Freezing. It's cold out. It's actually hunting weather. She likes (laughs) like 85 degrees when we can't hunt and it is hunting weather when we can't hunt and she thinks it's cold so we, we could hunt in louisiana yeah, i was funny, cold there too though. funny story about that we were that <laughs> one time we were in louisiana we were doing a teal hunt with kelly hadel of hadel game calls we were in venice which is the last spot of land on louisiana all the way down at the mouth of the mississippi river so you're you're about as far south as you can get in louisiana and my lovely wife told me that she was cold and it was three in the morning in her defense it was also 75 degrees at three in the morning that is when we knew that we were going to have to temper our expectations of kate going on hunts because she just does not like anything below 80 degrees and that was that was one of the one of the last trips you did do a, a deer trip with me that was very it was cold brutal cold and we had and to put, I survived we, you you did live so we we had to put a lot of clothes on her mm-hmm. but that was when i realized this might not be for her so anyway i digress let's talk about disciplining a puppy and your thoughts on it um as the breeder's wife one of the things i see you um working with clients on a lot as far as after sale support, if you'll call it, is people emailing or calling and saying, oh, my puppy, it just bites. It bites and bites. It bites my woodwork. It bites my three-year-old. Um, it's constantly chewing on things. It's out of control, etc., etc." And we always kind of struggle to get the point across that, yes, it's a puppy, and it's young, and it's cute and fluffy and all those things. But eventually it's going to be a dog, a big dog, a big, powerful dog. And you really need to start that basic obedience training and get those bad behaviors in check the minute you take the puppy home. I still remember we had one gentleman that came and he was he was a very fair-skinned redhead 
And he brought the dog back because he said, this puppy is just, it's, I just can't handle it. His arms and hands mm. were covered in scratches and bites. Yep. And what people don't understand is it's, it's not, we've had a few people that will say the dog's biting. Does that run in your lines? Now, could aggressiveness run in lines? Yes, absolutely. It could. It doesn't in ours. And it's not very, it's not something you see common in your retriever breeds. So what does happen though, if you watch a litter of puppies is that's how they are establishing dominance and playing with each other. They mouth everything, including their brothers and sisters. Yep, they, they do it to each other. They do it to mom. Um, and if they do it to mom enough, you'll actually see mom discipline her own pups. She will tell those kids to knock it off. Like, she will snap at them. Like, you don't do that. You don't get in my face and things like that. And I think people see this cute, sweet, fluffy puppy, and then they just feel like, well, I can't swat it, or I can't scold it, or I can't pinch its muzzle. But you have to, because it's just the behavior is going to spiral out of control. And what can happen is a learned behavior, the uh, biting where if you don't correct it, some dogs will take it to the extreme that they continue it. And once they're big dogs, they eventually will have to be put down. It's not cute anymore. It's <laughs> it's not, oh, she's kind of nibbling or this or that. It's a big dog. And now that nibble that they were doing at seven weeks that you never corrected, they're now, you know, seven months old and it's a big dog. And now it could actually hurt somebody. So we don't want to see that. We don't want to hear about any soggy dogs or any other dogs getting put down. So you have to put your big boy or big girl pants on and you have to tell the puppy who's boss. And that's ultimately what it comes down to. When you look at your failures of your dog, whether it's your pet or you're looking at a hunting dog, it's never the dog generally, after being in this business for a long time, it's never the dog that we have to look at. It's you have to look in a mirror and go, what have I done to continue this behavior and not halt it? And that gets us into what do you do with a puppy that's biting or that is being overly aggressive and how to handle that. And what we will tell them is first, when they're biting, grab them by the muzzle or swat their muzzle. And you have to do it hard enough so that the puppy or dog has discomfort. And you always come liken it to if a child reaches for a hot stove would you say, no, no, and hand them a cookie? Or would you just jump right on in there and swat their hand away and say, no, don't do that. Don't ever do that. It's the exact same thing. You're doing it for their own good and you're making it memorable enough that they're less likely to do it again. So if you swat their snoot, it has to be enough where they're like, oh, that sucks. Or if you pinch it shut, hold it shut and tell them no in your most stern voice and then offer them something that is appropriate to chew, like their bone or their toy or something like that. And just keep doing it and keep on it. You can... Definitely correct it, and you can correct it relatively effectively and quickly, but you just have to keep on it. And that's the struggle is when you go online, which everyone thinks I'll just Google or do a search for what I should do, there is no one that is going to tell you that you should use a negative consequence like grabbing and pinching a dog's muzzle or swatting their muzzle. And what I try to explain to people is I watch dogs. That's what I do for a living. I'm a dog guy, and I watch our new training dogs when they all come in as a group. I watch puppies in a litter. I watch moms and how they handle it. Why we, we we would swat a dog in the nose or pinch their muzzles because that's how they talk to each other. In essence, you're speaking dog. You are 
biting their muzzle in 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 to to them. That's what they think, and that is how dogs correct each other. Everything that they do on their corrections are neck, ears, and muzzle, and that's why you can see a dog that's been rambunctious. They'll have sores on their ears, or they'll have a, what I call the 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 the, the knob mark uh, right on their the bridge of their nose, and that's the I didn't get the memo mark, and the other dog got mad and finally just hammered them like a big mouth bass. So if that's how they talk, how is that abusive or incorrect when you're basically speaking their language? You're correcting them in the manner that they need to be corrected because that's how they're taught from their litter mates and their mother. Mm -hmm. We're just trying to tell you to train them and respond to their behavior that's, you know, a behavior trying to correct the same way a mother dog would. And that's not swatting them on the butt or like spanking the dog or whatever. We're telling you they communicate from basically the neck up. So do the same, you know, swat them on the snoot or pinch the muzzle. And you're right. You're not going to find that advice online because no one wants to sound like a big old jerk that's telling you to swat your puppy. You sound like a jerk. But to prevent the dog from being put down or to have long-term bad behaviors that result in something terrible, you have to step in when they're young. And I've had several clients that have said, I've tried everything. And this is after they've taken puppies home. I've tried everything. The dog's still being aggressive. The dog's still biting and I'll call them and talk to them on the phone and basically just tell them, like, you need to correct this now. You need to be firm about it. It needs to be where the dog says, wow, that sucks. I do not want that to happen again. But then temper that with 10% negative, which is uncomfortable, but 90% positive. So the dog is like, wow, they really love it when I do this. You can modify their behavior with just a little bit of negative, if it's enough where the dog thinks it sucks, by giving a ton of positive. And that's how you train. You're not punishing, you're training or modifying behavior. And that's how you have to look at it with your dogs and with your puppies. Mm-hmm. And like you've told people before, it's it's big carrot, big stick. So if you're going to correct, it's it sucks and it's negative. But when they're doing something good and right, it's over-the-top praise and love and hugs and pets and kisses. And so, yeah, big carrot, big stick. They don't understand gray area. So, you know, show them lots of love when they're doing the right thing and just make sure they get the memo when they're doing the wrong thing. Yeah, I mean, I think people would be shocked if they if we lived in a neighborhood because they probably think that I am like, one, quite bizarre and two, way over the top and something wrong with me mentally because I am talking to dogs constantly, but I'm being so over the top of, you know, good dog, yay, yay. wow, good dog, <laughs> and then being firm with them and then... Just working with the dogs, it would be interesting to be across the street from us, which luckily our neighbor across the road actually is never home, but it would be interesting to to listen to it because you'll hear me talking to the dogs. And if people could see when we get obedience dogs and our hunting dogs, the progress you can make in just three days, in the first week of training, where you can set that standard so that they understand there's positive and there's negative, and I'm going to give you a ton of praise and the difference in what a dog looks like when they're dropped off as opposed to after the first week. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take much, but you got to use the, the big carrot, big stick method. Like we said, no gray area, and you got to be consistent. So that would be the main topic for today. Next, we are going to talk about giving your dog treats. And with those treats, different allergies that you have to look for. There's some treats that are not dog appropriate. There's some treats that a dog could possibly be uh, be allergic to, but just what to look for when you are giving your dog's treats. So we'll have all that and more coming up after this.
Our great fans of the Sporting Dog Adventures podcast, we are growing at an astronomical rate, and I want to thank you all. I do ask one thing from you. Please give us a five-star rating on iTunes. Please give us a thumbs up, follow us, subscribe to us on whatever other platforms you're on. And the most important thing I can ask, share our podcast with your friends so that we can grow our love for the dogs and dogs in the field and make it so that people are more involved in our sport. Again, thank you so much for being listeners. Take care. Jeff Fuller again from Soggy Acres Retrievers and Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. When you look at hunting, you need to have yourself prepared. Our good friends at Mac Outdoors have reloading supplies as well as great clay target machines to get you prepared so you have more success in the field. Don't get that dirty look from your dog. Check out Mac Outdoors. Welcome back to the show. I'm again joined by my beautiful bride, Catherine, and Kate is going to help us with dog treats and what we are looking at as far as what is appropriate and different allergies you could have to deal with when you are looking at giving your dogs treats. Um, we are, in all honesty, very anti-treat people. We don't have dog treats in our house. You'd be shocked that we breed and we train because I do not have treats in the house. Um, nothing, honestly. Um, we use their own kibble. You know, we measure out how much food they're going to get in a day when we're in training. And then when I'm rewarding them, I just use some of their own kibble. And that's not because we're being mean or being cheapskates or weird or anything like that. It's one of the best ways to, one, control their fat and caloric intake, and two, to have control over the ingredients that are in their diet. We hear just tons and tons of people at sports shows and who come to pick up puppies about, well, my last dog had really, really bad allergies. And some of that can be, you know, stuff in the grass, stuff in the air, things you clean your house with. But a lot of times it's the fact that you feed them, you know, their regular diet, but then you're treating or supplementing with God knows how many different types of treats from the store and what is in those treats, you know, milk bones and sausages and this and that. And even the ones that are, you know, organic or grass fed or blah, blah, blah. It's still a foreign item in their body and a foreign item to their diet. So then when you have these allergies, it's even harder to dial down and figure out well, what's actually causing their skin to itch or them to bite their paws or whatever the case is. Yeah. When we look at picking foods or you look at treats, I've been told by my vet that the number one main culprit is a beef product as opposed to a chicken product. So when you start there, if you're giving a chicken product or a poultry product, that is probably a better choice for a treat than a beef product. It's not that all dogs are allergic to that. So don't believe that. It is just, that is one of the most common things dogs are allergic to. And I'm not talking breed specific, just in generalities. And it's, I would guess, likely because if you think of that a dog is a descendant from a wolf or a wild animal, the cow wouldn't have been part of their natural diet. So For Memphis, it would be. Memphis. <laughs> Memphis, would, Memphis would take a cow down. Memphis would take a cow down. Memphis is our 50-pound dog that everyone thinks is so sweet, and she basically <laughs> runs the house. We call her the thug. No way. Um, she just beats up everybody. She beats up everybody. Yeah, she would take out a cow. But her ancestors would not have known cows. Okay, so. okay. So, But she would. She would. So anyway, with other stuff, what are other treats that are, I guess, a good choice? And we'll start there, and then we'll talk about ones that are a bad choice. 
Um, number one, like I said, if you can just restrain yourself to using just their kibble, that's great. Um, if you can't, and you're like, wow, these are just too cute. I have to buy them. I would say try to stick with the same protein family, at least as whatever you're feeding. So like I have a, one of my dogs, she does best on a fish-based food. So if I was looking for a treat for her, um, and she does get a little chew stick now and then, it's, um, it's the same protein. It's a salmon-based chew stick. So if you can keep it in the same protein family, you're less likely to have any sort of allergy flare up because you already know the dog does well on that type of protein. Yeah, correct. I know there's some people food that you absolutely shouldn't give a dog, but there's some other stuff that dogs, it does really good for their system. Pumpkin. Mm -hmm. uh, we will actually take older uh, sterilized femur bones that you buy in the store that are very expensive and then reuse them and fill them with pumpkin. I freeze them. Yep. I refill them with a little bit of pumpkin and I freeze them. Uh, word of caution on any plant-based treat like that. Really do limit it. Like once a week is good. Um, they don't digest plant fiber, so it will go through them. So you don't want to do overkill on that. Uh, I know Scarlett every day we give her something called tree fruit, which is uh, her tree fruit free, uh, treat is uh, she gets a piece of banana, she which gets, is good for him. Yep. She gets a little piece of uh, frozen banana. It's got nice potassium in it, which your system needs. Uh, peeled potatoes. Scarlett gets a peeled potato every day because, again, Scarlett has kidney issues. So we give her stuff that is good for renal support. Mm -hmm. Yep. So we take, um, I use the red potatoes um, because green is bad, very bad for dogs. You don't want to give them anything green. So I buy the red potatoes. I make sure there's no green on them. Green's I actually bad for people as it, well. It is. I found that out not long ago. In high levels, it can be toxic to We're people We're talking too. the peel. If the peel is yeah, green Yeah, just the it. peel. Mm -hmm. Yep. So I don't buy the Idaho, I buy the red ones, and then I, I take the skin off because that's probably a little too much plant fiber, too much roughage for her. And then I'll cut it so she gets a small piece and she gets potato. So um, a frozen banana, too, is an excellent choice for teething. If you have a teething puppy, a frozen banana or a frozen carrot, of course, always be present. You want to be there, especially as they get down to the last bit of it. You don't want them to choke. You don't want them to be a choking hazard. But yeah, there's no harm in those things. That very, very low likelihood that they're going to have any kind of allergy type reaction to that type of thing. Um, if your dog's older, they might not take to it right away. I know Pickett absolutely hated frozen carrots. You would offer him one and he'd give you a look like, are you crazy? But if you have a younger dog, especially if you start them when they, they're teething, which is what we did with Scarlet Memphis, they really love it. And yeah, there's no itchiness, rashes, nothing like that. Those are all good, safe choices for treats. So bad choices would be... Bad choices, the, probably the worst thing would be just about any kind of people food, especially anything that is high fat, high salt. And what you have to take into consideration is that their diet has a lot fewer calories allocated to it than ours. So like a potato chip to us is just a potato chip and it's like, well, that's no big deal. Well, to them, that might be the caloric equivalent of a quarter cup of food. So that's a really bad choice. You know, don't give them chips, uh, the salt. Dogs, the salt is super hard on their kidneys. Don't don't give them salty treats like pretzels or chips. Or those are really bad choices. Yeah, always think of the the amount of calories when you look at treats or dog food. They go kcal's per cup, and to give you an idea, a a good solid food is probably around three hundred kcal's per cup. When you're feeding something like a milk bone, three milk bones is three hundred kcal's per cup, and most people that feed milk bones. Feed lots of them. So you're basically doubling or tripling a dog's caloric intake. And that's why we're seeing obesity in dogs. And that's why we're seeing them where 
quite honestly, they're not having the quality of life they, they deserve during their middle years and when they get older. Mm -hmm. There's like so many more, you know, ACLs being blown and things like that in dogs, and it's because they're overweight. So definitely keep the, the people food out of their diet. It's bad for allergies. It's bad for their weight. It's, it's just bad news. Um, if you have little ones, um, we see a lot of heavy dogs coming in for training and things that have families that have little people try to keep them away from the high chair i know it's convenience factor using the lab like you know the roomba like the vacuum cleaner the, the lab is not a vacuum cleaner please don't let them pick up pieces of hot dog and things like that that's really bad for your dog and always remember the one thing i hear from people is well i have to feed them because they're hungry mm. a labrador retriever would probably eat 10 pounds of food a day if you let them so they are always hungry they love food they're food motivated don't use that for the reason why you have to give them X amount of treats or extra food. They really don't, like I said, need treats. If you are training, that's one thing. Whether you're potty training or gun dog training and you want to have some of the kibble in your pocket, that's fine. If they're teething, like I said, the frozen carrot or bananas, awesome. But other than that, spend time with them. Have fun. Throw the tennis ball. Take them for a walk. Wrestle with them on the ground and love them up and scruff their ears. Um, give them a doggy massage. Our dogs love doggy massage. That's a bonding exercise with your dog that's going to last a lot long and pay way greater dividends than a milk bone. So that's it for this part of the show. Next, we are going to talk about the hunting tip, which the hunting tip is going to basically turn into probably me chastising folks out there about the ego that is involved in hunting. So stay tuned for that and more coming up after this. Jeff Fuller from Sporting Dog Adventures and Soggy Acres Retrievers. In our house, my wife hates having the plastic kennels and wire crates. We need them for the dogs because we have times when they need to be put somewhere, but she cannot stand the look. So we talked to DCT Kennels and we now have a new partnership with them for a product that is a crate, but also a piece of furniture. If you want something that is practical as well as great looking, check out DCT Kennels. Hey, this is Jeff Fuller from Sporting Dog Adventures Podcast. I want you to know that we buy all of our trucks at Boucher Automotive. We go to Janesville. They've got a great selection, great staff. If you're looking for a new truck or car, check out our friends at Boucher Automotive in Janesville. Welcome back to the show. We are now in the hunting tip. And if you haven't listened to our show, we always do a main topic, a dog tip, than a hunting tip. And today's hunting tip is going to be something that I probably talk about every couple of months, but folks, you got to lose that ego when you're out there hunting. It is just killing our sport. It's driving people out of our sport. And quite honestly, there's enough divisiveness in our country and in our world right now that as sportsmen and sportswomen, we do not need to be so damn negative to others that are just asking questions or trying to learn. Yeah, it's uh, when I first thought about, you know, joining the show and hunting with you, it's so intimidating because you you know it's out there before you've even hit the field. And you're like, if I go on this hunt, are people going to like roll their eyes at me or post something nasty on social media about how dumb I was or make fun of my calling or the fact I didn't even know how to call or even like make fun of what calls I use. Like those aren't, those aren't any good. Or, you know, how about encouraging somebody and showing them things and, you know, whatever happened to that? I recently heard about a group of high school kids and one of the kids was giving the other kid crap about 
their dad not being a good dog trainer and hunter and how they sucked and this and that. And you listen to it and you get really upset about it because you think, why are kids like this? But as adults, we need to do one thing. Go look in the mirror. Hmm. I have seen on chat rooms in so many places where you get the, someone will just ask a question like, hey, I just moved into an area. Could anyone give me any tips on where to look for a spot or, or good hunting times? And they're new to the area. And invariably, there's always some knob shine that says, why don't you go out there and do your own scouting? Why don't you go out there and look for yourself? My gosh, they didn't ask for your spot. They asked for a general area like, you know what, if they moved to Oshkosh, hey, the Horicon area is good. There's a lot of good watersheds and a lot of good places you can look. Why is a general tip like that not something that people are willing to give? And if you don't want to give a tip, that's fine. But why do you have to be an asshat to someone when they're just asking a question? Mm -hmm. I had well, another one where the person asked, I'm getting into deer hunting and I want to know once the rut is on, is a good time to hunt mornings or afternoons? Please let me know. And the vitriol and hatred that was in those comments of some people, it's just disgusting. It makes you want to find that person and just knock them on their rear end because they should not even be on a site representing that they're part of our community. Mm -hmm. It's not just hunting. You see it a lot with the whole dog breeding industry too. Basically, if you're a dog breeder or you would like to get into it and you ask a question, oh my goodness, the firestorm that comes down on you like, well, why don't you know that already? How stupid can you be? And you're going to cause this or that problem or blah, blah, blah. I have a good friend who had a dog that had an illness, an injury actually, and she posted about it and was like, hey, you know, just wanted to let everybody know this happened to my dog and, you know, he's getting better. We appreciate your prayers, etc." And she got the... Well, you know, he probably wouldn't have had that if you did this or that. Or did you look at this or that as a possibility? Because I bet you didn't. And that's how he ended up as he is. Oh, my goodness. How about, you know, like you said, how about some support? How about some, you know, <coughs> hey, we're praying for you. Or how about some, in the case of like hunting, give some helpful constructive tips, you know. But it's the negativity. It's so overwhelming. It discourages people from posting. It discourages people from asking questions. And in the case of hunting, like with myself, it was super intimidating and discouraging to even want to try it. And it's going to get to the point where less and less people are hunting, which is happening now. You are going to get to the point where there is not even enough people hunting to fight for what you love. And at that point, it's going to be too late. We need to be more inclusive and more inviting to new people. I always tell everybody every year, take someone new hunting. This year, I took two different people that had never duck hunted before. I don't know if they'll end up being hooked on it and want to do it for their whole lives, but I'm taking new people out to the field, whether they're younger or older. Try to be a good ambassador. And you know what? If you can't be a good ambassador, just shut up. There's no reason to be so negative to people. There's no reason if someone shoots something that is legal, whether it's a spike buck or a hen mallard, if it's legal and it was a legal take, that is fine. Most people... That might be the only deer they see, legal buck. Most people shoot about five ducks total a year. If they shoot a hen or two, my goodness, it's not going to depreciate or it's not going to deplete the population. Nature depletes the population far more in natural selection than hunters do. Mm -hmm. 
So moral of the story is just be supportive. And if you, you know, the old saying, if you can't say something nice, then don't say something. No, it's if you can't say something nice, shut up. Yeah, just don't say anything at all. You know, be supportive, help, help grow the interest, help grow the sport. Um, And if you don't want to do that, if you don't want to be a party to that, then just, just don't speak. So that is all we have for today. I really want to thank everyone for listening to our show. Our listenership has grown tenfold in the last month or two. And we are now getting up to some pretty impressive numbers as far as listens on our uh, different episodes. So we do appreciate it. Please spread our love for dogs and hunting to others. If you can, give us a five-star rating, thumbs up. Whatever the platform you're listening to offers for where you're going to uh, where you're going to recognize the show. If you can financially support, there's anchor support. Uh, if it's just a dollar a month, that's all we'd ask. And of most importance, share it with your friends and family. We have a lot of good dog tips. It's not just a hunting show, it's about dogs. So many of us love dogs. Share it with your friends and family. Help us grow so that we can help make better and more great ambassadors in the dog world. So thank you so much for listening. Everyone have a great week and God bless. Sporting dog adventures, run, boy, run. Everything you need is here under the sun.